Welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolsma. It is so good to have you along with us for this week's episode. I think you're going to find it to be very, very interesting. I was recently chatting with an author friend of mine, Jennifer Lynn Carey, and we were having a good time, and I was thinking, boy, I wish I could have her on my podcast. She'd be such a great guest. She's a fabulous author, but unfortunately, she doesn't write historicals. And then I stopped, and I thought, well, wait a minute. She writes 1960s, 1970s. Isn't that considered historical? Well, it didn't used to be, but has that line shifted? So it got all these questions going in my mind, and I decided the best way to get the answer was to actually have Jennifer Lynn Carey come onto the podcast, and let's chat about it, and let's see if we can come to some kind of an idea, whether 1960s, 1970s are considered historical, or if it's still that line at the end of World War II like it used to be years ago. So that's what this week's show is going to be about. But before we get to our discussion, remember to subscribe to Christian Historical Fiction Talk on your favorite podcasting platform so that you don't miss out on any of our great episodes. This is going to be a fantastic talk. I would hate for you to miss out on this or any of our authors or other topics because you aren't subscribed. Also, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm over there. That's another great way to stay informed about what's happening on the podcast, who's coming up, and when new episodes go live. So be sure to do that. And also, please, if you would consider becoming a patron of Christian Historical Fiction Talk, I would love that so much. You'll get extra behind-the-scenes looks. You'll get some cuts that don't make it onto the podcast for everybody else. You'll get some extra questions. You'll get to ask your own questions of the authors. So please consider doing that while you're over at LizTolsma.com, checking everything out over there. Okay, that's enough talking. We've got a great show. We have a lot to discuss. So let's dive into this topic. What is historical fiction? Welcome to the show, Jenny. It is so good to have you with us today. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Okay. I'm Jenny Carey, though I, I write under my full name, Jennifer Lynn Carey. It's great for finding me and finding my books, but in my head, I'm still in trouble when I hear the whole name. So, so people still call me Jenny. <laughs> I've been writing. I actually started writing back just about the 2001, but didn't put everything into it until 2017. And I currently have 13 books out. Most of them will fall within the uh, historical genre, historical romance, though after the first three, I don't know, I just kind of felt this desire or affinity, I guess, with doing the 20th century. And I have books set anywhere from uh, early 1920s up through 1972, most of them in the 60s and 70s. And I like to call that retro, that, that special thing that were, you know, during the Vietnam era. So I feel like I'm trying to carve out a, a genre there. But then I also have one split time, the, the Traveling Pershaw, and in a few weeks, my second split time, 
the Forgotten Gratitude Journal will be coming out. I know it sounds like it's almost a different genre, and I guess technically people would say that, but there's a, a thread that tends to run through my writing of family and forgiveness. And so, you know, my tagline is writing stories the heart remembers. And I'm actually kind of thinking of kind of refining that to writing family stories the heart remembers. So because family just plays key in all of my books. If you all have not checked out Jenny's books, I'm going to give her a chance at the end to tell us a little bit more about her books. But if you haven't checked her books out yet, they are so good. And the Forgotten Gratitude Journal is excellent. And you're going to want to be sure to go on there and get it ordered for yourself. Now, you've mentioned that you've been sort of in this writing world, although not actively publishing. And I mean, you just put me to shame. 13 books since 2017. My math isn't good, but that's only five years. And you put out 13 books. That's incredible. You write incredibly fast. So you seem to really like to gravitate towards the late 60s, early 70s time period. What about that time period really resonates with you? Why do you like that time period so much? Well, there's a lot about it. I lived it. So I have fun memories I've said it in my hometown, we moved away from Kokomo in 1972. So in my mind, when we go back to visit, it's changed. It's totally changed. But I have such memories. When I think Kokomo, I don't think about what it looks like today. I remember what it looked like then. And I have a blast just with little homages to, there was a drive-in we used to go to, Scotty's. And I can still see it. I can taste their fries. I can, I can you know, my friend's talking. It's where my dad set us down to tell us he was going to start dating again. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm in there. I know that neighborhood. I can feel the autumn leaves as I walk through there or see the spring flowers coming up. Those trees, those great, big, beautiful sycamore trees throughout. So what I'm hearing in your voice is just a lot of nostalgia for your hometown of Kokomo, but also Despite that being a very turbulent time in U.S. history, you still have very fond memories of those years. That's exactly it. Because we, we have the turbulence now, too. We can't, we're not going to get away from it. And I, I don't shy away from it in the stories. I mention it. But what holds them together, what brings the love, is the family. And I think that's a message we can have for today is, you know, we don't have to agree on every little thing, but if we agree on the fact that we love each other and that we're family, that will go a long way. And we don't have to pick up the offenses. We can love. It doesn't mean we have to agree, but we don't have to pick up the offenses. So that's kind of where I've been with that. And there's some sweet memories that go with it. Just just some fun stuff. And it's so I enjoy that a lot. Now, where would you personally draw the line between historical and contemporary? Is there a definitive line? Uh, you know, when I got back into this business back in 2002, there was a very definitive line, at least in traditional publishing, 
anything after World War II was contemporary. And so there was a very clearly delineated line. Is there one now? And and where is it if there is? Well, I'm, as of today, I don't, I can't say, but a couple years ago, I think it was January of 2020, I won a lunch with Steve Lobby, the agent. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking, he made a comment that up to 1970, 1974 is now recognized as historical. Hmm. That's the year I graduated from high school. And it was like, <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm going, when did I get to be historical? I guess I really am old. And so, uh, so that's kind of the line I have drawn. I, you know, if, if that was a couple of years ago, it probably has morphed a little bit. But if I figure to be safe, if I stick around, if I don't go much past 72, I've kind of had to inch up because I started with 68 with Relentless Heart. And then I've dropped a couple characters from that into Weather Girls. And Weather Girls started in 70. And now the, the new series, Weather Girls Wedding Shop and Venue, is starting in fall of 71. But all the other stories now have been in 72. So I'll probably end up having to move into 73 and 74. I'm hoping by the time I have to, that line's going to have moved up a little more. <laughs> but it, it is a little discombobulating to, you know, to think, you know, I remember that. How can it be historical? <laughs> but, so that's why I like to call it retro. <laughs> right. That, that's a very good word for it. I read not too long ago Susie Finkbeiner's book, The Nature of Small Birds, and she has three timelines in it. I think she has, oh, goodness, she has like a 1974 and 1988, and then she might have a contemporary. And Susie, I'm sorry if I'm messing up those exact timelines, but, you know, 1974 I will admit I I wasn't graduating high school that year, but I was around and I got married in 1988. And so it's like, oh, my goodness, thinking that these are like, especially the 74 considered historical, but even having 88 in there. And wow, a lot has changed. So, yeah, I think that line definitely has shifted a lot. I was I was talking with uh, Rachel Hawk and she mentioned I know I don't know where she is with this, but she mentioned she had been talking with one of the trad houses about writing a series set in the 80s. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, that's you know, I'm calling calling that 60s, 70s, 80s. I'm calling it retro. And she goes, I love that term. We're going with it. So I'm hoping <laughs> maybe there's enough of us. That, but I. There's baby boomers out here that appreciate that. I'm I'm telling you, they become very loyal fans. Or there's the other the other turn is somebody's granddaughter, and they're trying to understand what their grandparents went through, and it mm-hmm. it it gives them just a feeling of yeah, they were young and just like me, <laughs> kind of thing. So I think there's a good place for it. Yeah, it really sounds like there is. So you would say that it's not just for the baby boomers who would have a nostalgic connection to that time because they remember it, but also those who are in their 
early 20s now who don't remember those times that weren't born in those times, but they still, like you said, would have had grandparents that would have been around in that time. And so it gives them an understanding. So you think that it would appeal to a wide spectrum of readers and not just the baby boomers. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there's just something bonding about, you know, when grandparents and grandkids can, can talk about things and there's a freedom that grandparents have that parents don't necessarily have all the time, but I think they can be a bridge too to help with parents. But when, when you start to understand, you know, I think that's one of the charms of watching older movies too, because there's mm-hmm. a point where you realize, yeah, the fashion's a little different. The technology's not the same, but the situations are. You still end up with the same questions, you know, and you, I'm, I'm reading The Number of Love and it's set in World War One. But I am taken with the fact that these people are still talking about the same things that we talk about today. Right. There are some themes that are just universal and they transcend any time period. You know, I've interviewed people for this podcast, authors who write biblical fiction, and it's the same themes that we're talking about even still today. So... I agree. Do you think that that shift from the early 2000s when it was historical was strictly World War II and prior to where now that line is blurring a little bit to where Steve Lobby says now it's at 1974? Did that shift happen all at once? It seems to me personally, and maybe you have a different view, that it wasn't like we gradually moved into the 50s and then into the 60s and now we're up to the 70s. It seems like it was just sort of whiplash almost and all of a sudden that line just hurtled forward. Well, now this is my personal opinion, but I think the trad houses were going through major changes during that time. And you had a lot of buyouts, you had a lot of renaming, you had a lot of joining together. And I think there's umbrellas over many of the traditional houses that are with the secular publishing houses. And I think some of that might have come down from them saying, no, you need to change this or this is what's going to happen. I'm guessing, but I think that a lot of that coincided at the same time. So I wouldn't be surprised to find out that that had something to do with it. Yeah, you could very well be right about that because it did seem to happen very, very fast. It wasn't like each year that line moved up a little bit. It just sort of catapulted forward. In the end, though, do you think it really matters to readers what fiction is labeled as, whether it's labeled as historical or contemporary, or even maybe what you're carving out as a new time era called retro. In the end, do you think that really matters too much to them? I think really it's the story, honestly. And more than the story, the characters. If the characters are well-developed, 
the story is going to be rich. And if the story is rich, they're going to be so involved, it's not going to matter if it's set in 1 AD or 1560 or 1865 or or 1960. So mm-hmm. the story is what's the compelling part. And, this, and in order to get a compelling story, you have to have full, rich characters. I agree. I think there probably are some who only read historicals and some who only read contemporaries. But I think a vast majority of readers are looking for a good story no matter what time it's set. And I think any time can be very interesting and there's a lot to glean, whether, like you said, it's 1 AD or 1560 or 1965, that they all have something really rich and different and unique to offer to a reader. And story, I think, is what drives the market a lot. Something I've noticed, and and this is the reason why I tend to feel this way, is I have an opportunity to do a blog tour with Celebrate Lit, and occasionally someone will choose to read and review the book. I don't know if it's something that's re- if it's in the back cover copy, or if it's the way the cover looks, or what, but something will appeal enough that they'll choose to do it, and then they'll get into it, and they'll say, I usually don't read this type of book, but I really enjoy it. And that's telling to me, because if that's not the type of book, what compelled them to even open it? So something there is pulling them in. If it's not their type of book and something pulled them in, they would feel tricked if the story wasn't good enough. But if that story is pulling them in, the characters are dancing in their heads, then they will read something out of their normal genre because they've got it. They were pulled in. For sure. I do. I agree with Rachel. I think we should go with retro for these sort of in-between times when we're not sure, is it historical? Is it It's retro. I really like that term. So that's what we're going to call it. And we'll definitely include it in Christian historical fiction because for you and I, 1972 is, we remember things that happened in 1972. You maybe a little more than me, but we both... (laughs) No, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> what a nice okay, way to I'll edit that out, I promise. <laughs> but we both have memories of 1972. I do remember 1972 also. So for us, it's very strange to think of that as historical. Whereas my daughter, who's 22 years old, 1972, that's, mom, that's ancient history, you know? <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, well, you know, this is the thing. We don't think about it so much. But when I was a kid, and this would have been in the 60s, I was in fourth grade. And my teacher was older. In fact, we were the last class she had. We we retired her. And I tell you, we were not the the, the best class. But (laughs) she brought in a guest speaker. I shook hands with this man who had been friends with Robert Lincoln's son. Robert Lincoln was Abraham Lincoln's son. So I shook hands with the man who was friends with and had met. He had met Robert Lincoln. Mm. He knew President Lincoln's son. I'm 10 years old and I'm thinking, 
the Civil War was way, way long ago. But here was somebody who knew somebody who had lived through it. That's the thing. There's all these connections. And my grandmother lived to be 100, 104. I think about all the things she went through. I have a picture of her with my granddaughter, but my granddaughter was maybe two. And I actually have a five-generational picture. You think mm-hmm. about all the time that is passed within that. You know, yeah. so, and technically, yesterday is history because it's gone. So I think if we don't, I really go back to that. If we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. And we are wired for story. So why not share the stories of history? And maybe we will actually learn. There you go. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your upcoming book, The Forgotten Gratitude Journal? This is the story of uh, Molly Cranston. It's probably more women's fiction than it is romance, but it definitely has some romance to it. Molly was a twin. Her twin brother, Max, had cystic fibrosis. And Molly just carries the gene. The gene, if you carry the gene, it doesn't mean anything unless you decide to have a family. And then, and now there's all sorts of things that can help you with it. But she's a teacher. She had planned these things in her heart. She was going to do things, but she loved her brother and he was gone and she's facing the anniversary of his death when he will have actually had been dead longer than he was alive. It's like it's chasing her. Mm-hmm. So she has come back from a bucket list type vacation to find out that her grandmother who had been her rock has taken a bad turn with dementia and her Parkinson's and her mother has just moved her into a facility and her mother and her don't get along that well. They just have never learned how to connect because her mother was the main caregiver for her brother. And so that made things a little different. And then it just seemed to be a series of events that just kind of kept them apart. So She's got to figure out this and and work through this. She's starting a brand new school year. And as she walks in with all this kind of weighing on her, she finds out that the brand new assistant principal is her brother's best friend from high school. And someone she has blamed for him ending up back in the hospital the last time. And so she's going to have to learn to work with this and find her way through. So technically not a historical book, but I'm telling you guys really, really good. I'm so glad that I got to read it before it came out, but you're going to love it. Even though technically it's not historical, I would still recommend it highly to, to you all. If the listeners would like to connect with you, Jenny, how can they go about finding you? The best way to get me is on my website, and that is Jennifer Lynn Carey. Jennifer has two N's, one F. Lynn is just four letters and Carey is four letters, C-A-R-Y. So JenniferLynnCarey.com. And if you go there, if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get Tales of the Hobnob Annex. You can download that for free. And you can be updated on all my books and there are links to all my books so you can get them on Amazon and I answer all the emails that come through. You can contact me there. So it's probably your best place. One-stop shop. 
So definitely check that out, everybody. I will have the link to her website in the show notes. Did you have any last words for the listeners? You know what? I'm just tickled to be here and a chance to chat with you. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So I'm glad we did this. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for coming on. We really enjoyed having you. Well, I hope that you learned something and I would love to hear if you agree with our assessment of where the line between historical and contemporary is. You can leave a comment on my website, liztolsma.com, on the show notes, or you can find us on social media where we talked about this on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So check that all out. As I just mentioned, the show notes are over on liztolsma.com. So you can find out a little bit more about what we talked about. You can find out more about Jennifer Lynn Carey and about her books. And I'll have a handy link to some of the books that she talked about over there for you. Next week on our show, I am very excited to welcome the ever-lovely Rachel Fordham back. She was here just almost exactly a year ago to talk about a book that she had just released. And now she has another book that has just released, this one called Where the Road Bends. And it is a wonderful book, absolutely fascinating. We had a terrific conversation, and so I can't wait for you to hear that chat that I had with Rachel. So be sure to check that out next week. If you're subscribed to Christian Historical Fiction Talk, you will get notified when that releases. I hope you all have a great week. I appreciate you so much listening and look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Mm -hmm.